Man, I'm pumped. It's week two of our series, In the Fire. How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand at me. Let me see, you are here last week. Uh, it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I love talking about the book of Daniel, which is what this series is all about. It's all about Daniel. And we talked about living in Babylon last week. So if you didn't watch that one or you didn't catch it, you weren't here in person, please go back. You can check out our YouTube. It's on there. Watch that one. How do you live in Babylon? Living in a place that in a culture that doesn't honor God, right? We know that American culture is moving farther and farther away from God. And so how do we serve him in that culture, in our Babylon, in our workplaces, in our families, maybe people that don't serve God? How do we do that? And so we're actually looking to this uh, next passage. That was Daniel 1. Now we're gonna be moving to Daniel 3. And I wanna jump right into scripture today. It should be on the screen for you. But if you wanna turn in your Bibles, we'll be in Daniel 3, starting off in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They stood before it, and then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, they got all kinds of instruments, people, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace in the fire. There it is. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So this King Nebuchadnezzar, as we talked about last week, he conquered Jerusalem, right? And then takes the Jews into exile, takes them back to Babylon. And this begins this, this time period of exile for the Jewish people, for God's people. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he's obviously a little prideful, okay? And so he sets up this golden image and he says, hey, all y'all got to bow down and worship this thing. If not, you're toast. Literally, you will be burned to ashes, toast, okay? So what does everybody do? They all bow down, right? Because they're not trying to get thrown into a blazing furnace. I mean, he said, you will get thrown into the blazing furnace. I don't want to do that. I don't really necessarily maybe believe in this thing or I don't know what we're doing here, but I'm going to worship. Okay, sounds good. Whatever, you know, like they're doing it. Everyone bows down. It says people from all nations, people from all tongues, tribes, nations, all this stuff, everyone bows down, everyone. And the first question I want to ask to you today, and this isn't really what this message is about, but it's hard to get through this part of the passage and not take a second to stop here, right? Uh, there are so many idols that our culture has set up that we are bowing down to without even realizing it, right? There's so many idols that we bow down to and, and maybe there's things in our culture. What are those things that culture says is true, but, but God says isn't? What are the things that culture tries to get you to bow down to and says, hey, this is the way you should live your life. This is how you need to do things. And yet God is saying, no, 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 you need to live your life in this way because this is how I've commanded you. And yet everyone around you is bowing down and it makes it harder and harder to live in Babylon, right? When everyone else is doing the same thing, it's easier just to go with the flow. But yet in, in our walk with Christ, many times he's calling us to go against the grain, right? And to do something different, to live set apart, to be holy. Amen, you know what I'm talking about? We're living a different life. We're not bowing down to the things of this world. 
And, and we don't necessarily, in American culture especially, we don't bow down to, to other idols and things like that. There's not like this big gold statue outside and everybody's like, oh, you know, bow down to this thing. That's just not something we do over here. In Eastern cultures especially, there are some things like that. I know when I went to Nepal, for example, uh, I was doing a missions trip to Nepal. I was 18 years old. Uh, I was crazy. I don't know why they let me lead that trip, but anyway, it was a thing. And so I took this mission trip, about 10 people to Nepal, and there was a, a cow. We were in a taxi. There was a cow that walked across the middle of the road. And I'm thinking, there's a cow in the road. That's kind of dope. All right. So the cow's just walking around. He's just doing his thing, you know, just chilling, going real slow. And then he just stops right in the middle of the road. So I'm thinking what any American would think, why aren't we driving around it? Right? Like, let's just, you know, kind of go around it. The cars will kind of make their way around. Like we got places to go, things to do, but they actually stopped in their tracks and the taxi driver would not move anymore. I noticed everybody else wasn't moving either. And, and our missionary that was there with us turned to me and he said, hey, the reason why they're not moving is because they worship cows. Like they, you, they think that this is a God right now and they wouldn't dare try to go around it or, or like, you know, I would be out there being like, all right, Mr. Cow, come on now, let's go, let's go. Let's move it along. We got places to go, things to do, right? And he said, if you did that, you would be in big, big trouble around here. There's no way that they would allow that. And so we sat there for 45 minutes and waited for this cow that was just chilling in the middle of the road. 45 minutes, so we sat there. What is that? To them, that is an idol. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not waiting 45 minutes for a cow, right? I'm getting around that thing one way or the other. I'll go up behind it and kick it in the rear if I need to get it out of the way, you know? But we don't bow down to those kinds of idols, especially in our culture, but what do we bow down to? We bow down maybe to sports, right? I know a family, and this is about to trigger somebody today, okay? I've been preaching tough the last couple of weeks, but y'all just bear with me, okay? But sports can be an idol, I know a family, we were in Oklahoma for five years doing ministry up there. And when softball season started for, her, for the kids, they would be gone from church for four to five months because softball was every single Sunday. And they didn't go to church for five months because it was softball season. That's just what they did. Now, if that's you, and you might not be here, so it's not a big deal. So, okay. But... Uh, <clears throat> But when softball season started, they were gone. They were gone. And, and, and it was so difficult for me because I'm like, man, your kids need to be in church. Like they need to be in community with others. They need to worship and be in this community of people that love Jesus every Sunday. They would not even come to the youth group because they had games on Wednesdays, on Sundays. It was just so, so important to them that they made it an idol. And it was very, very much an idol. If you even mentioned like, hey, why don't you guys come to church? They're like, no, we have softball. And it's like, what's really important in this world, right? And so then relationships, you can make your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your fiance, your boo, your, you know, whoever it is, whatever you call them, you can make them an idol too. You can make them an idol. What about yourself? I think that's what we really struggle with in American culture is we make ourselves idols because we think that we know better than God. We think that we have it together. Uh, I made this money. God didn't provide this. This was me. I worked hard. I got this job. I made this money. This was all me. And whether you say that or not, you subconsciously think it, right? Uh, you have these things like intellect, like I know more. We're, we're beyond God. We're in a post-Christian culture because our intellect, we think anyway, has gone farther than what we think God even can do, right? We think, oh, well, we know how the earth was created. We get it all. Like we understand science and all this stuff. We make intellect and science even an idol. Maybe wealth or success, making money, all these different things we make idols. And really quickly before I move on, I just wanna say this. If you don't know what an idol is in your life, let me just break it down real quick to you. If you love it more than God, it's an idol, okay? I'm just gonna say it plain and simple. If you love it more than God, 
It is an idol. If you spend more time with it than you spend with God, it's an idol. Now, I know you got to go to work every day. I'm not saying you need to be praying 24-7, okay? But you know what I'm talking about, right? There are some things that you spend more time with, and you need to kind of do this little self-audit in yourself and say, is this an idol in my life? What are some things that I'm putting above God in my life? And so moving on to this story, that, that part was free right there. That's not even the sermon, okay? Here we go. The officials, they say, we got some dudes that aren't bowing, King Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not bowing. Uh, everyone else is, and yet they're standing up, and they're kind of making you look dumb, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, mm-mm, mm-mm, not today. Nope, nope. It says he is furious with rage. Furious. He brings them forth to question them. And we pick up in verse 15. If you do not worship it, King Nebuchadnezzar says, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, and this is the most gangster reply you will ever see in scripture. It's amazing. King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he'll deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. That is a legendary response, right? Like, we don't have to defend her. I don't even need to explain it. Honestly, King, like, just do your thing. Like, whatever, it's not even a big deal. Uh, Our God can deliver us from you and he will, it's fine. Uh, They didn't even care. So um, I think that there's a time in your life when you're going to be faced with the fire. You're gonna be put in front of a fire and a blazing furnace, metaphorically, whatever that looks like for you in your life there. You know, even just thinking about baby James that was just up here a little bit ago, that was a fire, right? That's a difficult thing that you guys went through. That is a season of fire. My mom uh, going through cancer, that is a fire that she walked through. You lose a job, that is a fire that you're walking through. Whether it's, maybe it's persecution. Somebody is, is putting you down because of your faith. That's what's happening here. Culture's trying to tell you to do one thing. You're trying to live a life for God. That's going through a fire. And there's three things that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in this response that I think that we should also be saying in our lives when we are faced with a fire. So number one, if you're taking notes, God is our defense. Someone say defense. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Listen, King, you're gonna do what you're gonna do. All right, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. We're gonna serve God. You're gonna probably throw us in the fire but it's not really gonna change anything. I don't need to defend myself in this moment. And and this is their resolved moment. Remember last week we talked about Daniel. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's food because he knew he shouldn't be eating that food that was offered to idols and sacrifices, all that stuff. He said he resolved not to defile himself. This is the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego resolved moment right here. They had already resolved that God was their defense. They had already resolved that they weren't going to bow down. Even before, you know that they were talking about it like, so guys, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to make all of us do this. What are we going to do? You know, they were talking amongst themselves. They're like, you doing it? Nope. You doing it? Nope. I'd already resolved. And then when everybody starts to bow down, they just stood their ground because they had already made the decision not to do it in the first place. They were going to serve God no matter what happened. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Culture will tempt you. Culture's going to tempt you. It's not cool to be Christian anymore, right? It's not cool. You know it's not, right? I'm not the cool guy up here being a Christian, preaching this message and all that stuff. It's not cool to be Christian. It's not cool to hold on to the truth of Scripture anymore, to believe that the Bible is even true anymore. 
people will mess with you. They might make fun of you at some point in your life. If you are living in culture, like we talked about last week, you're living in Babylon. Don't isolate yourself away from people. Be in it, but not of it, right? But when you're in it, people are gonna be making fun of you. It's just gonna happen. In fact, Jesus said, they will hate you because of me. People in your life are going to hate you because you love Jesus. And that stinks. I don't know about you guys. I don't want people to hate me. I don't know about you. And as a matter of fact, I really hate when people hate me. It is a big problem that I have in my personality. I'm a people pleaser to the core, okay? And if you know me, you know this about me. Uh, I don't like when people don't like me because I like most people. I really do. And I get along with pretty much anyone. I mean, the most, the, the worst person in the world, okay? It's like, you can't even get along with them. Nobody likes them. I'll probably be like, yeah, they're not too bad. You know, like I can get along with that person. Yeah, that's, that's fine. And uh, I assume that because I'm a generally nice person, that everyone will also assume that about me and that they will also get along with me and they'll like me back. No, no, that's not how it works at all. And so it's very disappointing when people don't like me. Uh, and so the worst part is it's a, when it's a misunderstanding. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had this happen before where you have a misunderstanding with somebody, they think that you think something, but you really don't. Or like they think that you said something and there was a rumor or whatever it might be. And they're like, well, I, that's not really what I said. And they just don't like you anymore because of this thing that happened. And it's like, well, if you would just like talk to me, like, and you hear my heart, you would know that that's not really who I am. And so it used to bother me a ton. Like when somebody, I knew that they didn't like me because of something that I said, or it was just a misunderstanding, especially as worse. So I try to like call a meeting, you know, <laughs> like, hey, you want to go to coffee and we can talk about this. And like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build the bridge. Okay. I'm trying to mend it. And, uh, you know, I would get a meeting, try to smooth things over, tell them what really happened. And it's like, if they would just hear my heart, right? I'm a really nice person. I swear, like, I don't mean that or whatever you thought I said. I'm so sorry. I apologize. You might have did anything wrong, whatever. And I'll do all this stuff. I learned over the last few years of being in leadership that I don't need to defend myself anymore. I'm just done. I'm done defending myself. And let me tell you why. If someone says something mean about me, I'm just going to let them say it. And then I'll prove them wrong, not with my words, but with my life. You want to say something about me? That's fine. Has anybody really said anything about me? Not that I know of yet, but <laughs> I'm looking out. Okay. <laughs> I'll prove you wrong, not with my words, not defending myself, but I'll prove you wrong with my life. And you don't have to defend yourself either. I mean, let's just take a couple of examples. Let's go back to high school, all right? I know many of you don't want to go back to high school. You, I hated high school, okay? We have our students here up front. This might be very relatable to you today. They just got back from their youth retreat, by the way. Can you give it up for our students that are here? Come on, rad youth. If you got a sixth through 12th grader, talk to her. All right, here we go. You go back to high school. If somebody says, you're not cool, you're not cool at all. And then you spend the next 10 minutes trying to say, I am cool, guys, I swear. Like, didn't you see that other thing I did the other day? Like, you've just immediately proved that you are in fact not cool, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, it just is what it is, right? In business, let's say, you know, for us adults that are here in the place today, let's say somebody accuses you of not being a great team member. You're not really bringing a lot of, uh, of, 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 effectiveness to this team. You're not being a great team member. And then all you do for the next 10, 15 minutes, all you do for the next few weeks, next few months is try to prove to this person by what you say that I am really effective. I'm a great team member. I bring this to the table. I do this. I start rattling off reasons why I'm great. What do you look like? You look desperate, right? That's what you end up looking like because you're trying to defend yourself with your words. This person lied about this project though. They stole my idea, took it as their own, and now they got the promotion. 
I, that was my promotion. I did the work. I deserved that. They lied about it and, and they didn't even see the value that was within me. Listen, don't try to defend yourself. Just be the best employee that you can. And eventually, I guarantee if you keep doing that, eventually it will be clear that that person was not the right person for the job and you were the right person. Eventually, God will defend you. Your life will defend you. You don't have to always speak up about it. My family member is lying about me though, pastor. They're spreading all these rumors into the rest of the family. Listen, if the rest of the family cares enough about you, they'll come and ask you if it's true. And if they don't, then obviously you don't need to have them in your life anyway. I hate to be so direct, but that's just how it is. You don't have to defend yourself. Let your life defend itself and let God defend you. I'm not saying it applies to every single situation. You have to use wisdom in that. But maybe instead of trying to defend ourselves so many times, maybe we just need to let God defend us a little bit more. What does the Bible say? He fights our battles for us. He goes out in front of us. And yet we're trying to get in front of God by saying, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. God, you just wait a second. I'll come to you in a second. And then you can help if this doesn't work out. But hold on a second, right? It doesn't work. It's not how it works. As a matter of fact, right before we launched this church, there was a time when I was, uh, we were supposed to go ahead and uh, it was summer right before we launched. We had about a month before we were going to launch the church. And the school district emailed us and said, hey, by the way, COVID's just raging at this point. They said, hey, you're not going to be able to meet uh, in, the, in the gym anymore. You can only have one room. Now, we have a lot of kids in here today. But if we had all 40 of those kids that are over there also in here, y'all know it'd be crazy, okay? You know what I'm talking about? And they said you can only use one room because of COVID. I didn't even, it didn't even really make sense because that would just mean more people are in here. But anyway, and so um, they said that. And I was so mad. I was so mad. Let me tell you, I was fuming. I was ready to call the school district and say, how are you going to tell us that a month before we launch that we're not going to be able to use the gym anymore? This is our kids area. We have all this plan. We bought all this stuff. We have all these grand plans and all this stuff. And you're going to tell me about that, 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 that. And I was going to just go off. I was so mad. But then I felt the Holy Spirit kind of just tell me like, mm, why don't you just hold on a second? And then Lindsay told me the same thing. I was pacing, y'all. I kid you not. I was doing this. I was just like, Lindsay, I don't know what to do. I'm going to call him. I'm going to chew him out. But then that's going to make him mad. And I don't know what to do, blah, blah. She was like, how about you just hold on a second and just like see what happens? Like you said that you felt like the Lord told you to wait. Why don't you just stop thinking about it and just wait? Two days later, I get an email from the same lady in the school district that had just told me that we couldn't use the gym over there. So sorry, Pastor Trevor, about my other email. I just want to let you know that you will be able to use uh, the gym and everything's fine, you can go forward as planned. Okay, like, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but great, thank you. I talked to the principal of this school, Mrs. Crowther, a legend, by the way. She called the school district when she found out about it, the day that that email was sent out to me and to her as well, she called the school that day and chewed them out for me. <laughs> said, this is my school. I told this church that they can meet in here. I like the pastor. They're helping us out with other things. I want them to meet here. I already promised them that they could. And this is my school and you can't tell me what to do with it. And the school district said, yes, ma'am, Mrs. Crowther, absolutely. It's your school to do whatever you want. And that's why we were able to launch this church with that gym over there and all our kids ministry. Because God was fighting for us. I didn't have to defend myself. And sometimes I think we get a little bit ahead of God. When you just let God take care of it, it's going to be a lot better than if you try to take care of it yourself. And you want to look to scripture, even Jesus didn't defend himself, right? When he goes on trial, Luke 23, when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. For a long time, he had been wanting to see him from what he had heard about him. He hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with so many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Jesus gave him no answer. 
In fact, he stayed calm and barely answered his whole trial. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Come on now. Man, I remember that. Whew, we're about to have another one. But guys, Lindsay is about to, she's having a kid in a month from now, y'all. We're about to have a little girl. Did y'all know she was pregnant? You can barely tell. It's, it's great. She's crazy. Anyway. She's like, yeah, I'm nine months. And I'm like, I look like I'm nine. Anyway. Gosh, man. She's leaving right now. There she goes. Okay. Stop talking about me, babe. All right. Jesus stayed calm and barely answered any questions in his whole trial. He didn't speak up to defend himself, but you know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, do you know who I am? I am literally Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the savior of the world. All I've been doing is healing people. You see that blind guy over there? He can see now. You know how? Because of me. A deaf dude over there, that guy that was dead, remember he was in the tomb and he was all like, oh, I'm dead, what's up? And he's like, take off your grave clothes. He's alive. You know why? Because of me, Jesus, I did that, right? But Jesus didn't do any of that. No, nope. he just stayed silent and they killed him. But you know what? After they killed him, you know what the guard said? Surely this man was the son of God. Because he didn't have to defend himself. His life proved it. His father defended him. And yes, he still died but yet he was able to raise the next day. Come on, a few days later, it was amazing. Jesus did what he had to do. He went to the cross, but God the Father defended him and he was able to accomplish his mission. Goodness gracious, Jesus didn't have to defend himself. We don't have to either. I'm gonna move on. This is what these young men are doing. They understand they don't need to defend themselves before God, uh, before the king, but God is their defense. So next time that you're faced with an accusation or you're going through something difficult, this is what I want you to do. I want you to remember that God is your defense and let your life show people what it is that you're all about. Let your life show people who you are. The next thing that they say is our God is able. Somebody say, our God is able. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, we know that our God is able to deliver us. We know our God's able. That's the second thing that they said. You ever been stuck in a situation where you can't find a way out? Uh, my wife, Lindsay, the other day put a shirt on me. Uh, she's just messing around, but she didn't put my, my head through the little head hole. She put it through the sleeve, right? And so I had the sleeve that was going around my head. I got a big head, y'all, okay? So it was very difficult. It was, a, it was a problem, okay? And so my head is just squished against the sleeve. Like, in, she just went like, ah, I don't know why she did that. It was kind of crazy. But anyway, she got me. My head's in the sleeve and I'm freaking out. You ever try to put on a sweatshirt before and you just cannot get out of it? You know what I'm talking about? You're like halfway, maybe you've been working out or something and you can't get your shirt off because you got sweat all over you. And, you know, I'm getting a little gross today, but, but you can't get out of the shirt and it is so frustrating. You just can't get out of this thing. And you're like, can somebody help me? You're like caught like this. You got to dress that you can't get the zipper off, you know? You've been stuck like that before. But even more, you've been stuck in your life before. I know you have. You felt like you're stuck. You felt like you're in a situation where it's like, God, I don't know where to turn next. I don't know who to call. I don't know what to do. I just feel so incredibly stuck right now. And I think some of us need to turn to God and say, you know what? My God is able. I know that my God can get me out of the situation. I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. I don't know who I need to talk to. I don't know what podcast I need to listen to. Listen, I can do all these other things, but if I would just stop for a second and say, my God is able to get me out of this. My God is able. I can get out of this sleeve in the name of Jesus. Come on now, <laughs> praise Jesus, come on. But my God is able. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him is who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. When you are faced with something that seems impossible, when you feel stuck, 
When you think that mountain is too high to climb, you need to get in the habit of saying, my God is able to deliver me. Come on, somebody say amen. This seems impossible, but good thing I serve the God of the impossible, amen? This mountain looks too high to climb, but my God is above it all. We just sang it earlier. I might be stuck, but my God is never stuck because he is outside of space and time. He created this. My God's never stuck, so he can get me unstuck too. Do you believe that God is able to deliver you out of this situation that you find yourself in? Do you believe that God can save you? Do you believe that? Do you have faith for that? Do you have the our God is able kind of faith? And God tells Abraham and Sarah that they're gonna have a son. He says, you're gonna have a kid. They old though. They're like super old, really, really old. And Sarah laughs because she's so old. She's like, I ain't gonna have no kid. I am 90, all right? This is not happening right now. Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is God talking. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Why are you laughing? If I said that you're gonna have a kid, you're gonna have a kid. Is anything too hard for me? Why? Because I'm able. It says this, at the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. Is anything too hard for God? Maybe you're in this place today. Just to give you an example, you might be believing for a child. I know there's a lot of people that are in this place today. A lot of people on our RAD team that are believing for children that have not had them yet. Have you said this before? Have you said, you know what? I don't understand how this is gonna happen, but my God is able. My God can do it. I believe that he can. But here's where it, it gets tough. This is where we need to get real. Because what if it doesn't happen? Right? I think that's what we need to talk about. The last thing that they say that's so important, they say this, even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't save us. But if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You can throw us in the fire and as it is burning me alive, I will still stand strong. I will still not turn away. I will still not serve your gods. I will still not worship anything else because even if my God doesn't, I'm gonna stand strong. What if you pray for years and years and years and you never have that baby you asked for? That's when your faith really gets tested, doesn't it? That's hard. God, I needed this job. I've been praying for months about this thing. We don't have any money. What am I supposed to do now? I thought you were here. I needed this. God, I, where are you? I'm just so depressed all the time. I'm angry. It's just difficult. I don't know how to get out of it. My mind is racing. I'm struggling. I'm having all kinds of mental health problems. God, where are you? Can you deliver me from this? I can't forgive them for what they did. God, why would you let them do that to me? Why would you let this happen? I thought you were fighting by my side. Why didn't you stop them from doing this? And in those situations, it's hard to have an even if he doesn't kind of faith, right? Even if he doesn't save your marriage, even if he doesn't give us a child, even if he doesn't provide me with a new job, even if he doesn't mend that relationship, even if he doesn't rescue that spouse from addiction, even if he doesn't heal my loved one, how could you let them die? Where were you? I prayed. I had faith, God. Why are they gone? You've gone through that before. I have. Can we get real? Can we just be real? We've gone through those things. But even though you didn't, God, you're still good. I still believe you died for me. I still believe you love me. 
I don't understand why I'm walking through this fire, God. I don't know why you're letting me go through this right now, but I'm just gonna put my trust in you and your plans and your ways are higher than mine. I don't get it, but God, I will not serve any other God other than you. Do we have that kind of a faith? And I just wanna ask you a question, what fire are you going through? Maybe one of those situations is something that you're going through right now. Maybe those are the kinds of prayers that you're praying. God, why didn't you? Where were you? Where are you now? Or you're praying and you're looking forward for something. You're saying, God, I need this and I need this job or I'm faced with this fire and I see it right in front of me. God, I need you to show up. And, but do we have that even if he doesn't kind of a faith that even if it doesn't work out, I'm still gonna serve you anyway. Even if I don't hear your voice, even if I don't feel you right now, right? If I don't get goosebumps when I'm in worship. If I'm struggling with my mental health, am I still gonna serve God and believe that he's gonna deliver me from it? You know, those are the hard questions, but I think we need to take them to God. And that's what we're gonna do right now. I wanna play a video of a guy who wrote the song, Another in the Fire. And he had to learn to trust God even when he was walking through his own fire in his life. We're gonna play this video real quick and then we're gonna play the song, Another in the Fire. And then we'll close out of service today. Well, let's watch this video. Why don't we just start at the top? Okay. Being the formation of the song, the beginning. Yeah, and then we can talk about the Yeah, okay. I was just sitting in church uh, one day a couple years ago and um, just kind of out of nowhere, I felt like this idea of writing a song called Another in the Fire just kind of dropped into my head. And um, I texted a friend of ours, Kane, and I said, hey, I think Joel and I are gonna write a song called Another in the Fire. Kane's response was, I'm in. <laughs> which, <laughs> which for me, I was like, all right, cool. So this is, we're gonna run with this. And at that point, I didn't have anything other than a, a clever title. And um, I knew Joel was kind of like in a, going through like a bit of a rough season and, and I felt like maybe the song would be really important for him. And so I kind of like got the chorus and was like, next time I was with him, I was like, hey, I want to show this idea to you. So I showed him the chorus and, um, and he went, I'm in. And I was like, oh, this is good. We're two for two. But I think we felt like it was important from the very beginning. And we felt like it was cool to be able to write a song that like almost talks about like lack of resolution and how what you're in the midst of and where you're headed, the X factor and all of that is actually that you're not alone. And so regardless of what circumstances you're in or you're facing, you've never been alone. You never are alone, you never will be alone. Chris had a very clear thing. He's like, another in the fire, I'm in. That makes sense to me. And it makes sense to me because I know the story, the old, the Bible story. But when that becomes real life, like, do I, what does that look like now? Like, what does it look like to be like, I'm not bowing to your idols. And if you throw me in the fire, it's okay because um, God will rescue us. And even if he doesn't, we're not bowing anyway. Like, that's real life yeah. for everybody. As the song kind of developed, I think for both of us personally, the song started kind of going from being a, a cool title and a cool lyric to like something that I feel like we both really needed personally. When we were writing it in separate ways, going through very real things, 
we're trying to both kind of encourage each other. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what fellowship is. That's what community is. That's what songs, I think, they should do is kind of they're reminders, they're confessions. So I'm not sure. I believe this. I believe it for the future. I believe it because I saw it in the past. But right now, I think I believe it. I want to believe it. But when you say it, when you confess it and you remind your soul, it's amazing. Like that confession precedes belief. And it's in that sense, that's why I think it's really powerful. So when we finished the chorus and we were happy with the chorus, I wrote Joel and I was like, hey, like I think I just want to try the chorus in church and see what happens. For me, that was a pivotal moment because I was ready to walk away from the song because I was honestly getting to a point where I was like, I don't know if I believe what I'm writing, so I don't know if I can write this song. Well, the week before Creative Conference, when we recorded the album, um, I you know, had to message Joel and, and say, hey, you know, um, our our boy, he's like gotten his official autism di diagnosis, and um, and that that really sucked for me um, because I f I kind of felt like I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing to like speak faith and the future and like kind of all the things that like we get told to do, and um, and so I was pretty upset and um, I didn't want to go to creative conference anymore. Part of one of the things that my son works through right now is, is right now he doesn't speak yet. And I just kind of in that moment was like, all right, like, I'm going to get this room to sing for him. And um, I'm going to make the enemy regret his decision to try and throw this in my face. And so I was just like, I'm gonna go so hard. Like I'm just like I'm I'm gonna really I'm gonna try and just leave it all on on the platform. And um and so we did the song and I feel like it was electric. such a special atmosphere that these guys had worked so hard to build and I think like at the end of the day um, maybe what this song has taught me and maybe what I hope that it will teach other people is the in-between's okay and it doesn't make it doesn't affect true things being true they're still true they're now and not yet they're here and yet to come and that's okay the key is that you're never alone in any of it I hope that that's what this song does Between 
where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever be reminding Set free. There is a cross that bears no burden. Where another died for me, there is another in the fire. All my debt, like the dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Thank you. And should I fall in the space between All the planes of me and this reckoning Either way I will bow to the things of this world So I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding What power set me free There is a grave that holds nobody Now that power lives in me There is another in the fire
felt the joy come every battle No, that's where you'll be Count the joy come every battle No, that's where you'll be And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, the royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Listen, Lindsay always knows when I go to the coffee shop. Let me tell you why, because I smell like it when I get back. But when you go through a fire and Jesus is with you in the middle of it, you don't come out smelling like fire. You don't come out hard. Your hair is not singed. When you go through a fire and Jesus is there with you, you don't need anything else. You're not even gonna smell like it. You're gonna come out stronger than before. You're gonna come out with more passion than before. You're gonna come out better than before because you know that Jesus was right by your side in the middle of it. And let me tell you, some of you today are going through a fire and you need to know that Jesus is there with you right now. Can I just tell you that he's with you? He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. You need to tell yourself right now that God is with me. My God is able. My God is my defense. And you know what? Even if he doesn't help me through this thing, I will still serve him anyway because God is good and I know that he loves me. Some of you need to declare that over your life. You need to declare that over your family. You need to declare that over your mental health. You need to declare that over that depression. You need to declare that over your cancer in the name of Jesus. You need to lift that up right here, right now. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a time where you can do that. You need to lift that up to the Lord just for a couple of seconds. As I'm praying over you, as I'm praying over each and every one of you, would you lift that thing up to the Lord right now? And let me just say right now, if you're going through a fire right now and you just, if this is me, like this is what, I'm going through something, Pastor. I need prayer. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? If this is related to you at all, you say, I'm going through it. I see you, I see you. Come on, all hands all over the place, all over the place. What I want us to do right now is I just want us to pray all together and pray over one another. If there's somebody next to you and you know them, or even if you don't know them, just put a hand on their shoulder or reach your hand out next to them, right? And just, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you that God's gonna walk through this fire right along with you. Jesus, we ask right now that for every single person that's going through a fire, would you remind them there is another one standing with them right now? That Jesus, you are on our side. You are fighting our battles for us, God. You go before us. Lord, we don't need anyone else. There's no podcast. There is no advice. There is no therapy. There is no pill that can help me more than you, God. There is no other God that can save in this way, is what King Nebuchadnezzar said. And God, we believe that there is no other God that can save in this way, no other way other than through you. You are a way-making, miracle-working God. So Lord, we ask for a miracle right now 
in every situation, God, if there's a family that's believing for a child, Lord, would you do it? Because we know that you are able, the same way you did with Abraham and Sarah. God, if there's a family dealing with sickness, with COVID, with cancer, in the name of Jesus, would you heal them right now in the name of Jesus? Would you heal marriages in the name of Jesus? Relationships right now, mental health in the name of Jesus. Would you do all of it right now, Father? We know that you are able and we lift these things up to you right now and we say, God, would you do it? God, would you do it? Right now we say we believe that you are in this place, Lord. We know that you're here. We know that you're moving. We know that you're working, God. So we love you. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is another in the fire sitting next to me. There is another in the water. Come on, sing it over your situation. Sing it over your life. Should I ever need How could you bend to me? How count the joy come every battle? Cause I know that's where you'll be. There is another in the fire. God, we believe that today. We believe that today. We lift it up. You know what? There's somebody in here today that needs to give their life to Jesus. You say, I've been far from God. I haven't been living and I've been going through this fire. I've been doing life my own way, but I need to give my life to him today. If that's you, I'm not gonna go through this whole thing, but listen, if you say, hey, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you right now. I feel you in this place. I feel your presence here. You need to rededicate your life. You need to give your life to him for the very first time. Would you just raise your hand? I wanna see you. Come on, be bold today, be bold. Is there anybody today? Come on, I see you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? I see you. There's two. Come on, anybody else? Be bold. I see you, man. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand at me. Don't worry about what other people are saying next to you. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Anybody else? There's three people today. Come on, there's some more, there's some more people out there that need to give their lives over to Jesus. You know what? I believe that you're going to do it even in your own heart, okay? Even if you didn't raise your hand, just do it right now with me. Everybody, let's pray this together. Jesus, I give my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins so that I could have life and life more abundantly. God, give me peace. Give me love and joy that only comes from you. And when I walk through the fire, I believe you're standing next to me. I make you number one in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, can everybody say amen in this place today? Lift up a shout of praise to God. Amen, 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 amen. God is good. God is good. Amen, amen. Wow, what a great day in the presence of the Lord. I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you worshiping with us and uh, dropping those things off at the altar today. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, I know there's a lot to unpack, all right? There's a lot of things that maybe you need somebody to come alongside you to pray with you. Would you reach out to us online? When you fill out that connect card, you'll get access to our text number. We can text back and forth. I'll give you a phone call. I wanna make sure uh, that we pray for whatever it is you need prayer for. And I just wanna help you get connected with other people around here that can help lift you up in the middle of your storm, amen? God, thank you for each and every one of these people that are here today. Would you bless them? Would you keep them? Make your face shine upon them. Give them peace. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.